is love. If we love the way the world tells us to, we, we're loving people to their death. Like we're literally loving people to the point where we won't tell them like what's coming. If we truly love people, then we would be like, we'd be crazy about telling people that like what's coming to the earth and what's about to happen if you truly care for people. I'm making notes because that was a really good quote. Loving people to their death. <laughs> so true. Follow up, guys. I, I don't need to talk in between. Keep talking. These are great thoughts. Nana, what do you think? How do we do both? Love and truth. Um, love and, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, um, love and truth. Um, what Michaela said was correct, like, um, you know, if you, like, you study the word of God, like, God will show you the way, the path of loving others in, like, the right way. Because there is different ways. There's, like, there's wrong ways of loving people and there's right ways of loving, like, you know, because love can make people go crazy in certain ways. Um, but, like, I, I feel like, certain, certain, like, if you follow God, like, God will show you the right path of loving a person in the correct way. So, yeah. Yeah, thanks for that. I love that, that connection between the two, starting with your relationship with God. That's great. Questions on this one. I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Steele for, for his comments or questions in a moment, but questions that, that's coming out of this Ephesian church or, or questions out of what we've been talking about, this love and truth dynamic. I know there are questions. We're just not sending them. <laughs> I have a question. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. So, okay, so we look at a church like this, and we're saying, like, they're doing everything that like, God has called us to do. Like, they hate the things that God hates. So, like, I don't want to say how is it possible, because it's obvious how it's possible. But, like, how do you think you get to the point where you become loveless, and it's just religion and our relationship for you? Awesome question. Who's going to answer it? <laughs> or who has a thought on how to answer it? Let's, guys, I just I, I want to just at least start conversations. You don't have to have the whole thing down pat. I don't got the whole thing down pat. You're going to realize that the more we go through Revelation, <laughs> how little I know. But <laughs> I want to start having a thought about it. I'll kickstart somebody else. Wait, um, for me, I think it's like when you have like a fear of God. So like to the point where like you just want to do stuff to please him but you're not actually trying to like talk to him i guess so i think it's like the fear got to the point where you think of him like as like like a dictator like he'll punish you if you do something wrong so you're just going to think more about doing actions instead of actually like talking to him amazing who wants to follow up different thought yeah i feel like there's times when we've done things for so long that we're just going with emotions. Like, like it's just engraved in us that like, oh, we go to church or we, we worship while we're in church. But like the things are, they're not done out of love. They're just done out of, I don't know. If we're, we're, I don't know the word. <laughs> they're just done, done out of habit. Routine, right? Yeah, yeah, routine. How many of you can resonate with that one? <laughs> I think we all can. There are different seasons that we go through, right? When, <laughs> when we feel that kind of way in, in our lives. Michaela, does that answer your, your question well enough, you think? Yeah, and I even, like, while, like, Anel was talking, I even, like, thought about it. Like, not even the fear of God sometimes. I feel like a lot of people, they get into, like, religion because of the fear of heaven and hell. So they don't know God, but they're like, oh, I don't want to go to hell. So let me just, you know, do what I need to do because I don't want to be in eternal damnation or part of this scary place and I don't want to be there. So, you know, let me do what I need to do to get into the gates of heaven, you know? So, yeah. 
Thank you, guys. The con okay. side to the Heaven's Gates Hells Flames thing, you know, because yeah. that, that's the downside of it, because it does seem to really be like, okay, just you're afraid of hell, you don't want to go there, so make the decision for Jesus. But the importance then of, of being able to be discipled in a church and to have, you know, these Christian friends, these Christian people around you that are, are helping you see, okay, it's so much more than that, <laughs> really, so much more than that. Pastor Cyril, what, what do you have to say about Ephesus? I think it's great um, feedback so far from the team uh, in, in response to the question asked. The emphasis between love and truth. I mean, you can hear the prophets in the background, so pardon me. It's okay. <laughs> but if we look at the life of Jesus, he's the perfect example of the balance between um, love and truth when uh, john writes about him in john chapter one and says that uh, moses gave the law but jesus comes with grace and truth uh, i think of the example of the woman caught in adultery jesus doesn't go down the rabbit trail of you did this and you did that and we have to send you to hell and all those kind of things um, but he offers grace and forgiveness and then he also doesn't say well you can go ahead and just live anyhow but he also offers truth and says go and sin no more he doesn't say go go and sin less but go and sin no more right so maintaining that balance between um truth, which you, you can see in, the, in that particular letter to the Ephesians, he commended them, actually. He was commending them on their emphasis on truth and their emphasis on um, testing those who say they are apostles and they are not, and all their zeal in all their work. He wasn't rebuking them for that. He was commending them, but where the rebuke came in was the imbalance. And I think as we've all rightly spoken, we have to strike a balance where it's not just grace and love. That's where some also go off with a hyper grace teaching. But whenever we talk about hell, that we are offering the love of God, um, that Jesus came to die for us. So even in our own personal lives, um, as Pastor Shaw, you mentioned, in our relationship with God, is it, is it out of law and out of fear, like Anel was mentioning, that you relate to God, or is it out of love, right? <laughs> yeah. Thank God for wives who are at home. <laughs> if I was the only one with them. But anyway, um, the point I was making was that in, your, in our personal lives, we shouldn't get sidetracked in duties, right? That, oh, I have to pray. Oh, I have to read my Bible. Oh, I have to go to church. Yeah, you, you have to do all of those, but you really don't have to. You, you just have a friend that you need to maintain a relationship with. And if you're maintaining that relationship, now all of those things don't become have-tos but they become want to, right? That I, I want to read my Bible. I want to pray. I, I, I love to do it. I don't have to. I mean, he'll still love me if I don't, but I want to do it because I love him. Yeah, that's the little I, I have to add. <laughs> Thanks. As you were talking, Pastor Steele, a question came to mind. I hadn't written this down before. Okay, so say then you're with a friend. I want, to, I want to see if there's a difference between Christian friend or non-Christian friend. You're with a friend. They're doing something wrong. Lifestyle choice or even just, just a sin. You know they're, you know they're lying. You're, you're, I mean, you've been with them. You know they're, you're catching them in a lie. Um, whatever, whatever seems to be happening. Where do you draw the line then in telling them truth or in showing them love? When, how, how do you make that decision to say something, to say, hey, what you're doing is wrong, or to love them through it? Is there a difference? 
is telling them the truth, loving them at the same time. Nick was kind of saying that a little bit earlier along those lines. How, how do you walk that line when you're, when you're with a friend, they're doing something wrong. Where's the uh, sorry. Um, I'm experiencing this kind of like right now. And I think the best thing to do is just, if you're a true friend, tell them that what they're doing is kind of wrong. And also tell them that I'm still going to be your friend through this, but like me as a friend, I'm being truthful and saying that what you're doing is wrong and God doesn't really like it. So I think if you're always there for them and not like deserting them, I think that's good too. That's a huge part. Anel, I don't need to know the, the details of it. Is this a Christian friend or a non-Christian friend? He's Christian. Do you think it would be different if it was a non-Christian? To be honest, I don't know. Because, like, um, like with, like, non-Christian and people who say they're Christian, at the end of the day, like, when you try to say something truthful, like, they probably don't want to hear it. So, I don't know. I think, Is hard? Sorry, go ahead. I don't know. It's kind of like a... Yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks for your comments. I, I love it. Who else has had an experience with this or, or, or has some thoughts on how, how, do you, how do you walk that line? Um, I, I've kind of gone through something like that before, and this is a little question, friend. I think the important thing to do is tell them the truth, because obviously, especially if they're Christian, they already know the like, they should know the truth, so you tell them the truth, but let's say, um, what they do, like, they continue in it, and then they, like, fall or something, it's not your job to, um, condemn them for it, it's like, okay, it's fine, let's get through this together, you know what I mean? Like, because if you condemn them from it, uh, for it like it kind of like turns them away and I think it would be a little bit different with a non-Christian only because um I feel like that's the time where um you could even bring them to Christ because like Anel said it, let's say you support them through it you're like wow like what love is this that you're showing me even though I've gone through this and I've done this you know what I mean the, then they're like okay maybe this Jesus isn't so bad maybe I should get to know him for myself you know yeah yeah that's great we want, we want to move on to, to the Church of Smyrna. Anything else about the Church of Ephesus? I've loved this so far. Just one one thing in response to what um, uh, Anel and the others have shared uh, in that particular example. There's that scripture that's coming to mind where Paul writes and admonishes to speak the truth in love and realize that always you can't have one without the other. It's our human weakness that tries to separate it, but actually in Christ, you can't have truth without love, and you can't have love without truth. And so we have to keep that in mind. Whenever um, we're faced with a challenge, it's not, it's not a choice between truth and love can't communicate truth without love and cannot love without truth. Both have to go together. And so now in, in that instance, when you even tell the person the truth, it's not that you've chosen not to love. It's actually because you love, that's why you're telling the truth. Yeah, thanks for that. Awesome. Anybody else, comments, questions, Ephesus? All right, let's move on to the church in Smyrna then. I'm going to need somebody else to read. Uh, Revelation 2, verses 8 through 11. Well, let me see. iPhone. There's literally someone whose name is iPhone. I don't know who you are. Can you read? <laughs> Do you even know that your name is iPhone? <laughs> I can read it. All right, go ahead. Thanks, Amanda. Revelation chapter 2, verse 8 to 11. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Smyrna. This is the message from the one who was the first and the last, who was dead but is now alive. I know about your suffering and your poverty, but you are rich. I know the blasphemy of those opposing you. They say they are Jews, but they are not. 
because their synagogue belongs to Satan. Don't be afraid of what you're about to suffer. The devil will throw some of you into prison to test you. You will suffer for 10 days. But if you remain faithful, even when facing death, I will give you the crown of life. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is, what he is saying to the churches. Whoever is victorious will not be harmed by the second death. Amen. Thank you so much. No problem. These letters, the, the whole book of Revelation, was sent to these churches, obviously, before the rapture. Obviously, before the tribulation. Christians in the early church were not... They knew a lot about suffering. They knew a lot about persecution. Jesus himself has always promised persecution to his followers. He basically said, he said, if they do this while the tree is green, when he was there, what are they going to do when it's dry? He's like, if they do this to, if they, if they call me your master, basically the son of the devil, what are they going to say about you? And Jesus always said that there's going to be persecution. And the early church definitely experienced that. Some of you may know John, actually, the disciple John was the only one of the 12 disciples who was not martyred for his faith. He was the only one historically who died of natural causes. The rest of them were persecuted and eventually killed because of their faith in Jesus, because they had been proclaiming the truth. And this church in Smyrna, Jesus starts off, I, again, I know, I know about your suffering. I know what you've gone through. And I know that it's not going to get better. <laughs> he doesn't say, by the way, here's the, the end of it. Here's, you know, take, take heart because I, everything's going to be fine from now on. He's like, you're about to suffer. Satan's going to test you through suffering, but don't be afraid of it. He basically admonishes them to, to stay, stay on the path, stay true to Christ, stay true to his teaching, stay true in their relationship to him, regardless of what was going to happen, which I can only imagine being somebody in the church of Smyrna being like, okay, yeah, yeah. So that's what's happening in, in Ephesus. Perfect. Jesus is going to talk to us now. Oh, great. The suffering's not going to end. This is wonderful. <laughs> but, but that, that, almost encouragement at the same time because he gets down to the end of it in verse 11 and no no sorry verse 10 but if you remain faithful even when facing death i will give you the crown of life and then in verse 11 at the very end of that section whoever is victorious won't be harmed by the second death the second death is basically it's the lake of fire hell it, it talks about that uh it talks about the second death in Revelation chapter 20. So we're a few weeks away from that one. But basically he was saying, Jesus was saying, you're going to be persecuted. You, you have been persecuted. You're going to be persecuted more. You might even be facing death. But if you remain faithful to me, I'll give you the crown of life. You will live forever with me. The second death, hell holds no power over you. You will receive life through losing your own, which is what Jesus had said to his disciples too, uh, before he, when, when he was predicting that he was going to suffer and die on the cross, he says, if you, if you give up your life for me, both, you know, in this world, we don't live for ourselves and for the life that we want, but also our physical life, right? He's like, if you give up your life for me, you'll save it. But if you hold on to your life, you'll lose it. I had uh, a prof, actually, one of my teachers, uh, taught me theology. Absolutely love the guy. Is so charismatic. Uh, he used to be an evangelist in. Oh my goodness, where is he from? Oh, this is really bad. Malaysia, I think. <laughs> anyway, somewhere, somewhere in 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 in, uh, in Southeast Asia, I'm pretty sure. Anyway, so he was a yeah. He was a he was a, an evangelist. He was traveling around, telling people about Jesus, and he was basically caught by some people and they essentially said recant your faith right now turn your back on jesus say you don't believe anymore or we're going to kill you and your family he had a wife and a son he didn't worry so much about himself 
He's like, if I die, I know where I'm going. But he didn't want them to get to his wife and to his child. And so he recanted his faith in that moment. He's like, fine, I don't believe. Fine, I'll, I'll, I'll stop talking about Jesus. And now this is my prof teaching me theology, <laughs> right? And so he, he's telling me afterward, he's, he's telling the class afterwards about how, how much he had sobbed over that. How much when he got back safely to his family, no harm came to him, how horrible he felt and how many hours he spent on his knees before God begging for forgiveness, saying, I'm so sorry. I wanted to protect my family. It wasn't even about him. And that's like a modern day example of the persecution that is still going on in the world for Christians today. We don't see it as much in Canada. It's here in very small ways. And I want to ask you about that in a moment. It is here, but we're not being thrown into prison or dragged out into the streets to be executed because we're Christians. It's not against the law to be a Christian, but in many countries around the world it is. And at the same time, the church is still growing so fast because they're like this church in Smyrna where they were remaining faithful even in the face of death. I wanted to ask you guys this question because we don't see persecution happening in the same way in Canada as it is in the rest of the world, but persecution can be more than just torture and being killed and being put in prison. Persecution is being spoken against, harassed. It could be a lot of things happening because you are a Christian. So I wanted to ask you guys, what, what persecution have you seen or have you heard or have you even experienced yourself here because of faith in Jesus? What have you guys seen? Um, well, I think like, um, one that like, probably, I don't know, like I, well, I've been through it before. I'm pretty sure like maybe other high schoolers have too, but like, let's say like, you know, like people just make jokes and like, you know, laugh or something like that, you know? And like, or, or like, they'll like say something and they'll be like, oh, like, oh, not you. Cause you're a Christian or something like that. Like, you know, like they just assume like, oh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> or also in like friendships, like let's say for example, well, I haven't faced it yet, obviously, but um, let's say for example, like, like your best friend, like wants to stop being friends with you because like, you know, you're a Christian or something like that. Like, you know, or like you don't fit in just cause you know, of your beliefs. How many of you have experienced something like that? Can you tell us something about your experience? Or what you've seen? Um, well, like, it doesn't go into what Beverly said, is, um, like, said, but, like, Lately, like, I have been seeing, like, on social media, especially, like, people, like, they like to normalize going to hell. Like, a lot of people will be like, oh, like, I'm going to go to hell. Like, I'm going to burn. Blah, blah, blah. Like, they, they, they say it like it's, like, a cool thing. But, like, little do they, like, it's, like, little do they know, don't take it as serious as us Christians as we take it, like, because, like, hell is not a fun place to be at. And, like, a lot of people, like, on social media, like, they'll, they'll say it like it's, like, a normal thing. Like, they'll be like, oh, hell, hell, what's, what's hell? Like, hell's not a big deal. Like, and I, I remember, like, elementary, like, I knew, like, these two atheist girls, and, like, they would always talk about, like, the Big Bang Theory, and, like, like, all the time, like, I, I don't like to have arguments, because, like, I don't like, I don't like arguments over that, because, like, you know, if you believe that, you believe that. At the end of the day, like, when I go home, like, I'll pray for you and hope, like, you know, you change. But, like, they will go and say, like, oh, um, the Big Bang Theory, like, oh, how do you know God is, how do, how do you know God is the one that created the world? You don't think that, oh, like, asteroids came and the earth was made like that. Like, they will make, like, little, little points like that. And then, like, like, you know, everybody will come, like, all the Christians will come, like, you know, arguments will start. So, like, that used to happen in elementary yeah there's not an age uh, age limit or age thing on when that could start that's for sure anybody else um for me personally 
like sometimes like I post like um like verses on like my timeline or whatever and then like some of my friends would like text me saying like like why are you posting that like you're so different from who you were from before but like I guess that's a way of persecution I don't know a hundred percent it is hundred percent yep hundred percent it's a it's a way that it makes you feel I mean, you end up feeling insecure in some ways when anybody's questioning what you're putting on your feed, right? Like at the moment that you're getting a negative comment, it's like, it's just, it's rubs you the wrong way unless you've like, you know, kind of, you got to acclimatize yourself to it sometimes or just turn off comments entirely. <laughs> There's always that option. I'm always tempted to do that. But yeah, it's, it makes you feel insecure. It makes you question. It makes you feel like, well, I'm, yeah, I'm not fitting in. I'm not, I'm standing out They're They're making me feel bad about what I'm posting. And hundred percent, that's a, that's a way to feel that persecution. I want to encourage you. I'm going to pass your serial talk here in a moment. I want to encourage you. If Jesus doesn't come back now, <laughs> the way that things are going, I don't say this to scare you. I say this to try to encourage you and bolster your faith. Persecution is coming to Canada. And it's coming disguised right now as political correctness. Um, it's coming disguised as, yeah, it's happening. Just It's trying to be hidden, um, trying to, to seem like it's not what it is. And I believe there's going to come a day when it's going to be harder and harder to be a Christian publicly and to be able to stand up for our faith, especially. Um, Jesus said that as the world is coming to an end, even before, I think, the, tribula the great tribulation where, I mean, Christians everywhere, persecution is, is spreading throughout the world. And we in Canada are not safe from that. Historically, we have been. Historically, this is a very free and open country. It was founded on Christian values and the Christian faith, and we're getting farther and farther removed from that, um, which calls into question then your own faith. There's going to come a time when, I'll, I'll say it this way, everything's online right now, right? It is throughout the entire world. People, Christians in China have been persecuted for a long time and they were starting to meet on Zoom calls for, uh, for the Bible studies and basically the same kind of thing that we're doing and the government was arresting them because they were doing that. If we got to a point in Canada where, okay, we can't even see each other in person like we are, we can't even meet online like we are, what's going to happen to your faith? how personal are you going to make it? How well are you going to stand up for what is true and, and know what's true through your own study of this and through your own relationship with God that you would be your own beacon for truth and your own beacon for Christ in the midst of the darkness that would be around you. Part of what I'm talking about in the message for, for you guys tomorrow in talking about loneliness is how we are part of the body of Christ. And regardless of how alone you might feel in your faith, there are always others. There are millions of others in this world who have the same faith, who are holding fast to the truth of Jesus. And I think that that gives some encouragement. But at the same time, I'm just putting this out there because I think, I mean, it's, it's specific to what we're talking about, but it's also just the way the world is going. Persecution's coming harder than it has been prepare for it how you're going to prepare for that in your relationship with god talk to him about it i mean it's not one of those things where you have to be afraid all the time and that's what what jesus even said here he said don't be afraid of what you're about to suffer you know there's so many opportunities in the midst of suffering the church historically has grown exponentially when there was suffering and I mean, God gets to shine in his strength through our weakness, especially in those times. But just something to think about, <laughs> something to, to make you question, I think, for yourself. If I was confronted with that question like my prof was, and somebody said, recant your faith or we're going to kill you, it's easy for us to say in this situation, 
yeah, no, fine. I, I believe in Jesus. Kill me. Take my life. But when it really comes down to it, it shows your faith in your heart, your relationship with God. So anyway, I'm going to leave that there on that very heavy note. Uh, turn it over to Pastor Cyril. What do you have to say about Smyrna? Thanks, Pastor Cheryl. Um, I love the text around Smyrna, um, particularly because of the conversations we're having around the church now. Um, the early church would have been surprised even when we talk of persecution is coming, what you mean? Persecution is right here with us. This is, this is what we have known since we have been church, right? And um, if you guys remember when we did the series on Tried by Fire, i show you in that series that Christianity as we ought to know it from the Bible that we read is a group of people who are not popular, a group of people who are persecuted for their faith. And that's really what we've come to believe in. And the man that we are following, so to speak, was killed for what he stood for. And in China, if you say you are becoming a Christian, they know fully well what that means, that you are signing up for something that you could die for. And that was the same thing that the early church also knew. And I don't think it should be different for us. Um, even though we have for a long time been pampered by the peace that we, we have experienced. Um, like Pastor Cheryl mentioned, we should be at the position where if the worst should happen, you can stand on your own, right? And what we're going through right now is a, is a real, it's like rehearsals. It's like God is having mercy on us and putting us through rehearsals for what is coming. Right? And we have to learn well and learn quickly because um, now we have Zoom, like Sashar mentioned, but who knows? We may not have that when, when the real thing happens. And as we get more into the conversation of the end times and rapture and all of that, I mean, a lot of Christians like to hide behind, oh, yeah, but we don't need to worry about all that because the rapture will happen and we'll all be gone. Well, that's a very unfortunate view of things because... How about the Christians in China and the Christians in Nigeria and the Christians in other parts of the world who are having to go through that? Um, the Bible wasn't written for them. So um, I'll hold that thought till when we get into those conversations and then um, we'll wrap our brains around it. But I want you to have that personal conviction that when you say you believe in Jesus, and I say I believe in Jesus, it's more than just something on our lips. It's something that we should be willing to put down our lives for. And Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me in front of this generation, then I will be ashamed of you in front of my father and his angels. And everywhere Jesus said, he meant it. So anything that's making us ashamed of our faith and of, of us being Christians um, that's something we need to pray about and ask God to help us. And the Holy Spirit will give us that boldness and confidence not to be afraid, but to stand up for what we believe. Amen. Amen. We're going to read about the Church of Pergamum in a moment, but I just, I'm really feeling to pray for you guys. Uh, prayer doesn't have to be a beginning and the end of Bible study thing. So let, let me just pray for you really quickly about this. Jesus, I thank you so much that you spoke to the church in Smyrna. Lord, you knew their suffering. You knew what they were going through. You encouraged them in the middle of it, and you promised them eternal life. You promised them the crown of life, regardless of the state of their life in this world. God, I just I want to take this moment just to pray for each one of these teens, God, for each one who is a part of this youth ministry at Living Word. I thank you so much for them, God. I thank you so much for their faith. I thank you, God, for the ways that they have endured even now in the things that have been said about them and the laughs that they have endured and the, the comments that have been said to, um, to them because of their faith. 
the friendships that they've lost, God, I, I thank you that you have been with them in the midst of, of these times. Lord, I pray that you would continue to be so real to them and that their relationship with you would grow so deep that regardless of the persecution that will come to Canada, God, that will come to, to Toronto and to our own hometowns, God, I pray, Lord, that you would, they would be able to endure, that they would be able to remain faithful to you, just like the Church of Smyrna did, regardless of what comes against them, God. Lord, use them as, as shining beacons of light and of hope and of your truth, regardless of how dark it might get, God. And Lord, I pray that they would see you do amazing things uh, in the midst of, of the evil that is happening in this world, God. We love you, and I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, felt like that was the right thing to do there. Take a moment, because that's happy. Uh, <laughs> switch gears just a little bit. I, 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 we have uh, 22 minutes left, and, and I think we can do this, because uh, the Church of Pergamum and the Church of, of Thyatira, the, the last two in Chapter 2 of Revelation, are they're kind of going through similar things in, in some ways. So um, could I have a volunteer to read then? Revelation 2, verse 12 to 17. I'll read. Her, her hand. If, uh, Belinda, was it an accident or you have want to say something? Uh, I have a question. Sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. So, um, let's say we're ever put in a situation where, like, we're asked, like, either to die for our faith or to, um, you know, turn on God, but like. It's not just like our own lives at stake. What's like the right thing to do? What do you guys think? Good question. Um, for me personally, I think like if it's in terms of family and stuff like that, I think they'll realize what you did was actually good enough. Like at least for like, for example, if your family was to die for it, I'm thinking that your family is like a Christian based family, right? thinking that when they die for their faith, they're going to go to heaven. So I don't think you should feel bad necessarily for like saying that I believe in Jesus. And if like your family dies, at least you're going to be with them in heaven together. So that's what I think. That's a great start. And I think it's a lot easier when we know that our family is a Christian for those who don't though, or if they're, if you're at school, it's a, a shooting situation that's happened too for, uh, for Christians, right? When shooter comes in, says, hey, are you a Christian? Um, if they were going to take a friend, if it was going to be a family member that's, that's not a Christian, uh, Linda's question is a really good one. How, how do we handle that? What's the right response? Um, I think it's like a really tough one, but like, as we all know, we came into this world by ourselves. So if it's in a moment where it's like, this is like for you, like you have to do this. You have to like, you know, go for yourself. And like the Bible even tells us to love God more than we love our brother, like our mom and our father and stuff like that. So in that moment, it's like your love for Jesus is so much stronger than your love for your family or your friends. So you have to do the right thing. And, you know, it's just stand up for God. I love that you use that verse. Perfect verse. By comparison, hate everyone else. <laughs> I have a question, though. Yeah. Okay, like, um, so, like, what if, like, your friend doesn't believe in God, and they're like, oh, yeah, it's just, like, you two, like, I don't know, like, what if you guys are at the mall or something, and it's just you two, and your friend, like, like they believe in God or so, but they're, they don't have, like, a closer relationship, like, a close relationship with him, like, and you know that, and your friend knows that themselves as well. Like, you know, like, what can you do in terms of that? Great question. I love where this is going. What do you think? I think, like, even though your friend's not, like, let's say you say that you believe in God to the point of death. By them seeing that you have faith so strong that you're willing to die for that cause, maybe it can, like, shift their mind and probably repent for everything that they did before they get executed as well. So I think it's like, I don't know. Obviously, you should care for God more than your friend, but like through what you're doing, it's setting an example for the people around you, even like that friend, to maybe turn 
away from what they're doing. Yeah, thank you for that. I, I want to hear some some other people. Uh, names I know. Nathan, what do you think? How do we handle a situation like that? Uh, I also agree with that now because, um, like, if they see that, like, you're willing to die for your faith, like, they'll be convicted to also change their ways before they get executed so they can also be saved. I think that's a huge thing that happens in, in persecuted churches around the world. Um, I mentioned that earlier, too. Yeah, a lot of people, when they see... What's the word I'm looking for? This isn't it, but when I see how serious you are, it has a huge impact, huge impact. The church grows often in persecution. JFS, how about you? Um, in my opinion, I, I believe that it's important that we try to bring them to Christ the moment we have the chance to and not wait for that moment to come. Ideally. Amen. <laughs> so I think you guys are all on the right track. Yeah. As hard as that would be, I can, I hope you are never put in that situation. I hope none of us are put in that situation, but as hard as that would be to remain faithful which is what Jesus was saying to the church in Smyrna here. If you remain faithful, even when facing death, I'll give you the crown of life. And to have that in our minds, almost just automatic response. I'm a Christian. I'm not even going to doubt that. I'm not going to question it for a second. Take whoever's life you're going to take. You can't change that fact. That's a hard thing to come to terms with, uh, <laughs> but a very real thing at the same time. Great question, Belinda. Thank you. Uh, before I'm sorry, can I add something? Yeah. I was, like, for me personally, I think of like, like just think back to all the things that God has done for you. God has done more for you than what your family could do, what your friends could do. So with all that in mind, I don't think it's right to turn against God for anything whether it's for family, whether it's for friends, because he done more for you than anybody else could do for you. So to turn against him like that, just because you want to save your friend, it's kind of like, wow, like, why would you want to do that if he'd done so much for you? That's a really good point. Sorry if I cut off anybody else. <laughs> more questions or comments on this. It's such a good topic. Thank you for, for stopping me. That's exactly what I, what I hoped for, to, <laughs> to have that, that kind of conversation here. Uh, 15 minutes. What do you think, guys? Keep going? Yeah. All right. Keep going. Uh, let's see what we can do. All right. Uh, who can read for us? Somebody was volunteering to read, and I didn't catch who it was, to read uh, verses 12 to 17. I want to read. Go ahead. Okay. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Paragomum. This is the message from one from the one with the sharp two-edged sword. I know that you live in the city where Satan has his throne, yet you have remained loyal to me. You refuse to deny me even when Antipas, my faithful witness, was matred among you there in Satan's city. But I have, a, I have a few complaints against you. You tolerate some among you whose teaching is that of Balaam, who showed how to trip up the people of Israel. He taught them to sin by eating good offered to idols and by committing sexual sin. In a similar way, you have some Nicolaitans among you who follow the same teaching. Repent of your sin. 
or I will come to you suddenly and fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give some of the manna that has been hidden away in heaven, and I will give to teach one a white stone, and the stone will be engraved a new name that no one understands except the one who receives it. Amen. Thank you so much. That is my favorite ending of any of these letters. The fact that when we get to heaven, we get to have some manna that's there. That's just so cool. <laughs> and the fact that there, we get this stone with a, with a name on it that no one understands. A white stone. I was reading uh, some, of the, some of my study notes in my Bible about that white stone. Back then, uh, a white stone was given to people who won in the games. You know, they did these, you know, these big, uh, kind of like the Olympics, right? And they, so they, apparently they gave a white stone to the victor. And sometimes white stones were also used as almost like an entrance fee, right? Like almost like, a, here's, here's my invitation. Here's my ticket. Here's, here's how, how I'm getting into an event. Uh, and so basically it was, it was almost symbolizing that white stone was like acceptance and victory. And I just, I loved that thought. I hadn't even heard that before. Um, but the name, a name given that no one understands except the one who receives it. Each one of your names, the one that you have, was given to you for a reason. Could have just been the simple reason that your parents liked it. <laughs> it could be the meaning behind it. Um, I love names that have meaning behind them, you know, uh, and, and that's why you're named something, especially in Bible times, people were named something because of the meaning behind the name. Also, often because they were related to somebody uh, who had the same name, family names kind of carried on, that was a big thing. But the fact that you're going to get a stone with a name on it given to you by God that nobody else understands, a few years ago, I was—I uh, I had the opportunity to spend a summer out in BC, actually. Um, I was working on a farm, of all things. I don't know why, but I was able to be in BC. That's why. Um, but but I, I remember I had been reading through this, and that verse was kind of going over in the back of my head, and I wondered, what, what's my name going to be? Like, what, what is the name that God's going to give me? And I was, I was alone in the woods. Uh, there was like this little rope swing and it was like my favorite place to hang out, just spend time with God. And I, I remember just asking him about it, being like, God, what's, what's my name? How do you see me? What, what is something that, that defines me? What's my identity before you? What, what's going to influence that name that you're going to give me? And just spending that time in prayer, these, these thoughts came to mind that for me, God's like, you are a worshiper who seeks my face. And who knows whether that's the actual name that's going to show up. You know, there's a name for that in, in angel language or something that's going to end up on that white stone. Who knows? But for me, it was that moment of, this is my identity before God. Someone who worships him, someone who's seeking his face. And that's been a reminder. I've written it in my Bible here, actually. It's, it's that reminder to myself of, Sometimes I don't feel like that. <laughs> Sometimes I, I don't feel like I'm seeking God's face the way I should, or I, I'm not worshiping him in the way that, that I want to. But that's that reminder to myself of this is part of who I am. This is part of the way that I connect with God. I, I love to worship him. Worship is, is one of the best ways that I connect with him. One of the, you know, to be able to seek his face through studying the word and, and in my relationship with him, it stuck out to me. So my question to you, and to, to think about that, uh, I want to be able to move on, but to be able to think about that, what would God say about you? What's your identity in God? It's something to ask him about, right? Because sometimes we have our own ideas, and sometimes they are uh, riddled with some, some lies of the enemy of what God actually thinks about you. But to, to, be, to come before him to ask him, God, how do you see me? God, if you're going to name me with meaning behind it about who I am, my identity, what, what would you say? And I'm not saying necessarily the name that God gives you or what he says to you is what's going to be on that white stone. I mean, we'll, we'll figure that out when we get there. But 
but that idea of God, how do you see me? Um, that's just a little aside. I didn't want to spend as much time on that as I did, but here, here we go. Um, <laughs> the, the church though in Pergamum, the church in Pergamum, it's, here we hear about the Nicolaitans again. We had heard about them with, with the church of Ephesus. They had hated, the church of Ephesus had hated the, the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans. Awesome. Good for them. Church of Pergamum, not so much. They had allowed the Nicolaitans and their false teaching to kind of permeate throughout the church. And it mentions it a little bit here. They were teaching things just like Balaam, who had showed the people of Israel, or sorry, who had showed Balak, who was the king of Moab, how to trip up the people of Israel. He had, we think that, it's a weird thing with Balaam, if you know that story, honestly. People, King Balak says, okay, come and curse the people of Israel, because there's so many of them, and I don't want them to attack me, even though they're my plan on attacking them. Balaam is just like, I'll only say what God wants me to say, and so he ends up coming, the whole donkey talking thing, it's awesome, read it in numbers, that's beside the point, he gets there, King Balaam is, Balak is just like, okay, so curse the people, and Balaam is just like, I can only say what God tells me to say, and he blesses the people, because that's what God tells him to say, Balak is just like, okay, well, let's go to this part, and you can look over these people of Israel, and you can curse them, and Balaam's just like, still only going to say what God wants me to say, but in the end, and that, so that's how the story of Balaam ends in, in, numbers at least in that part of numbers and so we think great so Balaam learned his lesson from the whole donkey talking situation and he's actually a good guy turns out if you keep reading in the Pentateuch he was the one who basically said okay let's let's invite these people to this feast let's have get them worshiping idols let's get them committing these sexual sins Balaam ends up being killed later because he had participated in that uh, when they were in, in a war with Moab. All that happened a long time ago, but basically these people, the Nicolaitans, were essentially saying, you know what? Everybody in our society is worshiping idols. Everybody in our society is committing sexual sins. Let's just say it's okay. <laughs> essentially, they were being very tolerant about it, saying, hey, you know what? Maybe it's not so bad. Maybe it's okay. We can still be Christians, and we can we can kind of do what the society is doing as well. And they weren't standing up for what was actual truth. They were doing almost the complete opposite of what the church in Ephesus had been doing. Questions on that one? Comments on that one? Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, I heard one yes. I Oh, I had a question. Wouldn't you say then that the compromising church could also be like considered lukewarm then? Because it's like they tolerated those things and they, some of them actually did them. So would that be like lukewarm or? Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about the lukewarm church next time. <laughs> That's at the end of chapter three, but it's the same kind of idea. Exactly. Where they're, yeah, they're in with truth. We're like, okay, we'll follow God on these things but we're going to follow society on some of these other things and maybe not have that hard and fast line of no, that's wrong. And I mean, they were, even if they weren't doing it themselves, they were allowing the Nicolaitans to follow that teaching. And so even just not telling their, their Christian brothers and sisters, Hey, that's wrong. Not pointing out their sin Jesus is saying, repent of that, because that in and of itself is a sin. Great. Other questions about that one? Okay. It's 826. I want to give you guys an option. <laughs> Pastor Cyril, feel free to weigh in here. Do we try to finish chapter two <laughs> and go over oh, time, or do we take a break? What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I think we take a break, and we'll pick up from... Thyatira um, and, and the other churches, but let's let's get some more conversation around uh, this one. Perfect. Yeah. So, guys, more questions. Will we pick up the church yeah. of? Sorry, go ahead. I had a question for everyone then. But, uh, so 
seeing that the compromising church they were tolerating things and um this church is almost like our like society now it's like some people in the church where like they come to church they do what they want to do and then they go out into the world and they'll be cussing with their friends or they'll be smoking you know um skipping class um on weekdays but then they're doing the things of God on Sundays so where do you think um we can help kind of differentiate this because like how do I explain this we obviously we're not of the world but we are in the world but how do we like help those people like correct them nicely or like lovingly as we talked about earlier you know what I mean I don't know if my question makes sense but makes sense to me this makes sense to you guys what do you think (laughs) I feel like the best way to handle that kind of situation would just be to like kind of like correct them with your actions by like leading them by showing them like the right things to do and like the appropriate things to do and things like that. Great start. He's going to pick it up from there. Benjamin, what do you think? You're still there. Hello. Sorry. Can I come again? Sorry. Michaela, do you want to fill in the question for him so he's, he's on track? My question is, like, how do we help um, Christians like this that are, like, kind of tolerating the things of the world and living in and out? And, like, if we ourselves even are living that type of life, how do we, like, come back, you know? Benjamin. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, oh, I would say first is our attitude um, towards them how we approach them and our attitude. Because um, I will say this week, I have a Ghanaian friend at work and um, um, he, um, his mom is pastor from our church member. And the guy, um, yeah, his parents have been divorced. So almost about two months now, we haven't been talking, but this week we're talking about personal life and how he was revealing things to me about how you have changed towards Christ. So I think Michaela's issue is something that I was trying to bring on board. Okay, with that one, it's about first, um, your attitude towards him. You're supposed to know how to, um, how to speak the way towards him. And two, it's about we as Christians, you know, our behavior needs to, uh, need to speak more than our actions. It's easy to listen to good or Christian music. So you ask that, why do you always listen to Christian music? Then you give him more the explanation. Uh, as you, that, that's what I feel. So if you walk in a Christ-like manner, that's where um, they will see through it as, okay. Thank you. Thank you. Last opportunity, anybody want to weigh in or make a comment? I will. Go ahead. Um, I think that we should all just be holy and set apart because when, like, let's say a group of people are all doing something, they're not going to recognize each other but that one person that's also not participating. They're going to start to feel convicted and they're going to start self-reflecting and like, oh, let's say Irina, she never does this or she never talks this way or she never acts like this. And after they're going to be like, okay, why do I always have to do this? Like, why am I the one who's always cussing? Why am I the one who's always going to parties? Why am I the one who's always smoking? And then they come to you and they're like, oh, Irina, you know, and then you can share your faith. So true. Along with what, uh, what the others were saying too. Yeah, showing it with your actions. Anybody else? If not, I'll turn it back over to Pastor Cyril. Yeah, I think, I think like everyone has a spot on. But I also feel like there's times when you can you can really talk to someone, but when you're showing them that what they did is wrong, you're not like putting them down, but you can also like confess of your own shortcomings. Cause like when people know that you've also been through something, that's like that's why your testimony is so powerful. When people know that you've been some through something and like you also go through the same thing as other people, like it just gives them like a sense of comfort. Like, you're, they're not the only person who has been through this or went through it. 
shows that Christians don't have to be, not don't have to be perfect. We want to be perfect. We're striving to be perfect, but we're not going to be perfect. Because <laughs> some people have this idea where, where Christians are just, yeah, you get it. So true. Good job. Thank you. Um, I just want to okay. add on to what um he said. Like, a lot of people, like, they think, like, us as Christians, like, we're perfect. And, like, you know, our lives are perfect. We don't sin. But it's, like, um when we, like, when we show people, like, oh, you know, like, how we were in our past and, like, how we change, it shows people, like, oh, wow. Like, you know, if I'm, like, you know, sinning and I'm doing, like, I'm smoking or I'm partying, like, and she did the same thing I did, I could change and I could actually change my life and better my life you know and it helps to show people like wow like i can actually move from the life that i'm in right now and become that christian that i want to be because a lot of people like they want they want to have a relationship with god but like they're scared they're scared to like um they're scared to like like put their their stuff that like stuff they're addicted to like you know smoking partying in their past you know and they're afraid of that because and a lot of times they're even afraid of the relationship with god because they don't like they, they need they need a push they need to see people in their lives like, you know, changing, because when you see somebody change in your life, it helps you want to change as well, you know, and to better your life as well. Okay. And Go ahead, sorry. Ben, oh, that sorry. was it. That was it. <laughs> okay. No, 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 Nana, I knew you were finished. I thought Ben was going to say something. Yeah, I thought Ben was going to say something. Any more comments, guys? No, I think something happened to his mic. Okay. Do we have time for so I can ask one more question? I'm so sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so then, guys, after all you guys said, so, um, you know, I guess we're talking about testimonies then. Let's say I lived a certain life. Like, I smoked a lot. I went to every single party. I was in the world. And now I come back, and I'm showing my friends, like, yo, guys, like, you know, I learned about this Jesus guy, and this is great. And then they're looking at me like, you? Like, yesterday you were at the party with me. Like, how do you guys, like, how do you think we overcome something like that? Where that, that's, like, also a form of persecution, because they're going to come at you with, but you're at the party with me. You can't come and tell me now we should be going to Wednesday Bible study or a Saturday Bible study, you know? What do you guys think we do about stuff like that? I think um, that um oh sorry do you want to go no no go 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 okay um I think that we um to be honest like we can't really do anything else but to leave it to God because at that point like you know like I feel like if we were to like come at them or like say something to them don't like take it as like we're judging them you know because that's what I usually get like sometimes when I tell my friends things they're like oh yeah like you're you're always judging me this this that and I'm like I'm not judging you I'm just telling you the truth you know like come on like it's better I tell you this than for you to figure it out later on and it's too late you know so I feel like we just need to leave it to God and like continue sharing our testimony with um our friends and like people that we used to like you know do these things with um what I was gonna say was that being consistent because like you can't just come out of nowhere and be like oh you know I gave my life to Christ da, 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 because you know you could change and you could you, know, you could like um your life could change go back to, into your old path so what I was thinking that is like you have to be consistent if like okay you say like oh one day like oh gotta change my life or whatever they're obviously not gonna believe you could be like oh you know why you were just yesterday you were at a party like why are you saying that now you change give your life to Christ or whatever like you have to show them like you let's say like um that day you're like oh I changed my life if you show them like oh like let's say like you're posting like pictures of your bible you're reading or like you say oh like you know I saw this scripture I think you guys should read it like it shows them like oh you know like she's actually being serious about it get to show them your friends that you're actually serious and you're actually serious about God and that you're consistent with him and then it's gonna show them like oh you know she's actually being truth truthful about what she's saying amazing Great questions, great responses, great conversation. Thank you. Pastor Cyril. Thanks so much, Pastor Cheryl. And thanks everyone for the great, great conversations. Really, really enjoying this. Um, what do you guys have to say to Pastor Cheryl for leading us to this discussion? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Excellent, excellent. It's it's actually going to get better and better as we go along. And I will want to encourage everyone next week's call. Bring a friend with you. 
Okay, let's double our number in the call today. Invite someone um, to a discussion. There are many things we had to jump over. I'm sure Professor Shaw had many other points to talk about, but we wanted you guys to drive the conversation and, and sort of lead it on. So we don't want to rush it through. Pick it up from Satira next week and hopefully we'll be able to finish um, the letters next week, but still we won't rush through it. If we're able to, great. If not, we will we'll continue next week. But I want us all to commit to invite someone. Okay. Um, going to sh I'm sharing my screen now just briefly. Can you see my screen? Yep. Yeah. So just to see the outline of where we're going um, in, in all of this. So next week, we're going to finish, hopefully, chapter three of Revelation. Then we'll get into chapter four and five, which would talk about the rapture of the church and, I mean, quote-unquote rapture of the church as we believe it. And um, we'll get into heaven. And then we'll look from there, we'll begin to look at the tribulation, the first half of the tribulation, and then we'll look at the second coming and the millennium, and then the future eternity. Great, great conversations that we'll be going through during this time. Um, once Professor Cheryl wraps up uh, next week's lesson, uh, I talked to Michaela to also pick out of myself so that uh, we'll be in the background and enjoy the conversation but my challenge to all of you is to read all these chapters prepare questions so that we can have an engaging conversation okay let's pray before we hang up we want to have Michaela pray and then I'll bless you guys. Okay. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time in your presence. We thank you that you have revealed yourself to us. We thank you for the great conversation and the knowledge that you have fed us. God, I pray that from today forward that we will walk in your word. We will not be like these churches, the way you rebuke them, but we will walk in the ways that you have called us to, that you will lead us to, to even want to dive into your word more and get to know you more as you continue to reveal yourself to us, God. I pray that you strengthen us even through this time of more persecution and, and, and um, more people against us, God, that you will strengthen us, Holy Spirit, that you will lead us and continue to be with us and guide us. We thank you once again for your, our this time in your presence. We ask that you will continue to be with us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 May the Lord bless you all and keep you. Okay. Lord, open your heart to love him more. As we have learned today, he desires a loving relationship with us. May that be your point this mm. week. As you read your Bible, you. as you pray, may a deep love for Jesus well up in your heart as you pursue him. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you all. Um, don't forget, tomorrow, live stream service will be on, beginning with Sunday School, 9.30. Uh, just hop on. Great discussions. I will be going through about the end time as well. See you or talk to you all. Thanks, <laughs> Okay, bye-bye. <laughs>